Hey, welcome, listener, to another exciting episode of This Week in Mormons. This is a twin siblings edition with Matt and Melissa. Hi, Matt. I I like how you always start with another exciting edition. Because I don't want us excited. to be boring, right? Like, if we're the boring oh, we're hosts, not. We're right? not. We might not be the most intelligent, but we're going to be exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, so Definitely. did you, yeah. you have any fun stories that have... Anything going on in the last little while to catch up on? Let's see. I've been sick for two weeks straight. Oh, it's that's awful. The worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I feel like everybody around me has gotten sick too. Tell me if you think this is true. It could be my imagination for sure. But I feel like ever since COVID, every time I get sick, even though I'm not getting sick with COVID, I'm sick for so much longer. Yeah, that happened now, to me too. Yeah. When I when I did get COVID, I got a really bad case. I mean, I got it more than once, but I got a pretty bad case and, and I've had some lasting effects for sure. Like I still can't smell three years later. Oh, that's that's a fun side effect. But I feel like the biggest one is just this, like never being able to recover from a sickness. Do you think that's true? Have you noticed that? I just decided that every sickness I get is COVID. (laughs) Oh, do you think? (laughs) That's just what I tell myself because it all feels Uh like COVID. Does it last longer? Yeah, the last time I got sick, it was uh-huh. easily two weeks. Um, yeah. And then it did this thing where I thought I beat it, and then it started over again, and it mm-hmm. lasted another long time. Yeah, so, yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Or does that just mean we're getting older? You know, I, I thought about the getting older part, but I dismissed it. Okay. Um, I was feeling really, like, healthy and strong, like the healthiest and strongest I've been in a long time, because summer was ending, and I get a lot more time to exercise and be outdoors during the summer, because I don't work. And, um, and so, yeah, coming out of summer, I was feeling so strong and, and yeah. healthy and yeah, I don't know. Well, and you work in public school. So usually like September is when it hits you hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm accustomed to catching everything that comes around. Like that's just the nature of my job is that I, I live in a, I, I work in a place where everybody is, you know, sharing germs, but yeah. normally I can bounce back pretty quick and it's, yeah. Yeah, it hasn't been like that since COVID. Anyways, what's up hey, with you? What's been going on? Do you know who I had lunch with today? Um, um, President good, Russell M. Nelson. Good guess. This person is very close to him in stature. Do you know okay, who okay. Um, Patrick Mason is? I do. You had lunch with Patrick Mason? Yeah. Yeah. A group of Did students. Did you really? Yeah. So I met him and we chatted about, he has a book out. This is kind of older, but it's called Restoration. And yeah. So we talked about it. his book. Yeah. Um, and so he lives here in Logan. I didn't know that he, yeah. <laughs> I should have known yeah. he teaches at Utah State. He so, yeah. does. Just had a nice conversation about life. I think and- he does a lot of great work um, for religious education. Is that what he, what does he actually teach? No, I don't know. He's a history professor. His, okay, his yeah. degree's in religious history. And so there's a Mormon studies chair at Utah State. And so uh-huh. he holds that position, but okay. he's a, a history professor. Um, okay, yeah. So I kind of, you know, for the student's sake, I kind of asked him to talk about his bio and kind of why he does what he does and how he mm-hmm. got there. And um, yeah, what he said that I liked is he said that um, like sometimes in in life, we feel like we have to be called in order to do something. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you have this, what he calls a calling where you just feel like you should get engaged and do something positive. And and like, like he's a very kind of public face of the church in some ways. Right. But Mm -hmm. he doesn't have a calling to do that. He just feels like, hey, I want to write a book about this or I want to talk about this. The planted mm-hmm. book started with some firesides that he was giving on, 
it was before those church history topics were published on the website. And so he would get asked to do these firesides to talk about difficult history topics. And as he's doing these firesides, he's like, hmm, I should write a book about this. Huh. And, so, and so I just kind of liked, uh, as he was describing, that like most of the good things in the church happen when members of the church are just doing good things of their own free will and not because they're called to do it. Yeah, interesting. So, yes, yeah, so I kind of like that. So, would you say that you and Patrick Mason are best friends forever now? <laughs> uh, yeah, you are. You're best we're, friends forever. We're as, we're as close as any two people that have lunch. <laughs> on a- well, um, I like that you brought that up. It reminds me of a couple things. Um, you know, I'm in a, a young single adult adult ward now, and so yeah. I'm not in my home ward. And it's interesting because I don't actually have a calling. Like it's my husband's Mm -hmm. calling. He's the ward clerk and I just attend things with him. But it is interesting how I felt like I should do certain things, even though I don't have a calling. Like literally, I'm just supposed to attend church. Um, Mm -hmm. But there are things that I feel like prompted and inspired to do. And I haven't been set apart. I haven't been given any special blessing or responsibility, but I feel like yeah, like I am called to do certain things kind of in that way. So I guess that's kind of a little bit what he's yeah, talking about. That's exactly what he's talking about. Um, but also, so somebody in my home ward, um, which I haven't, so I haven't been to my home ward in probably seven or eight months now. Um, and I just got a random text out of the blue from someone in my home ward this week. And it was just the nicest thing. It just said, hey, um, I was just thinking about how much I miss you and love you and what great lessons you taught and how we got to use, we used to get to work together and, and I used to get to hear you teach. And I just want you to know that I I love you and I miss you so much. And I was like, well, that was unnecessary and unexpected. But yeah, another example of, of that kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I should do that to the people I minister to. You probably should. I should do that probably to anyone. My, my <laughs> well, wife I think might. the point is when you feel inspired or prompted or, you know, like yeah, Mr. Yeah. Mason said, called yeah. um, to, to re- react. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Matt, um, have you been feeling a little hated lately? Because <laughs> <No. laughs> it's time to open the mailbag and whew, you got some heat. You got I some did. heat, Matt. Do you know, I was telling my wife the other day, I'm a strange person that like when people are angry with me, it actually puts a smile on my face. I actually, (laughs) I actually kind of like when people are mad. I don't intentionally try to make people mad, but it is true. When I was in fourth grade, the teacher took me out in the hall and was shouting at me Uh and I was just smiling the whole time. And he's like, what is it with you? Like I'm (laughs) shouting at you and you're smiling the whole time. I've never met a child like you. And I'm like, I don't know. I can't explain Listen, it. I'll tell you what it is. You actually genuinely enjoy interacting with people. Okay. Yes. It doesn't matter if the interaction is a negative one. You actually yeah. are genuinely interested in what people have to say. And, and if they have something to say that's like so negative about you, you're still absolutely thrilled to be engaging with them and hearing their opinion, which I think is like a really positive thing about you. And it's, it's, it's hard to believe that it's honest and sincere, but it really is. Like every time you say like, yeah, we want to hear what you think. I'm like, well, Matt wants to hear what you think. But I'm a little <laughs> nervous to hear what you think, but you genuinely do. Yeah. I really do. I appreciate it. Do you okay, want to so, read what they said? Yeah, I'll read it. So one listener okay. said, this is the podcast that I did with my two mission friends, which I appreciate. Sean and that. Sam. Yeah. Thanks to Sean and Sam for stepping in. It was really fun. Okay. So yeah. they said three men talking about why women aren't oppressed is nauseating at best, truly hurtful. And then to add on to that, two men who clearly are uneducated when it comes to Tim Ballard. 
That would be me. I would be one of those. Yes, that would be you. (laughs) Say his being in the news is no deal. Seriously? When the things he's accused of perpetuating against, perpetrating against women, it is no deal because women were the victims. Those two experiences in one one podcast were just awful. Awful. Please do better. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Should I read the next one and then we'll just talk about both of them? For sure. For sure. Okay. The next, another listener said, Overall, Matt and his co-hosts sounded tone-deaf regarding issues surrounding some of the most consequential challenges facing the church today. What drew me to This Week in Mormons in the first place was that Jeff Openshaw? Openshaw. Yeah. Openshaw. Openshaw. Yeah. Jeff, original founder of TWIM. Yeah. Yeah. I just knew him as Jeff. I I never said, yeah. Created a place where faithful Latter-day Saints could openly discuss hard topics in new and different ways that help navigate the complexities of our religion. I felt he did a good job of bringing in a perspective beyond the Mormon corridor that has helped me on my faith journey. I love Kurt Frankham and listen to his Leading Saints podcast regularly. I enjoyed when he would come on the Twim podcast to co-host with Jeff to see the contrasting views. However, since Jeff left the helm of the podcast, I feel that Twim has headed solidly, solidly back towards Mormon orthodoxy. With the exception of the international edition, I can get those opinions and worldviews easily every Sunday at church. Okay. Um, Matt, you appreciate those comments. I know you do. Yeah, sure. I think it's yeah. great. Um, I think I think that uh, I really enjoyed your podcast with Sean and Sam, and I do think that you did sound tone deaf at some times, right? Sure. And, and, and that's okay. Like, frankly, that's okay. I understand people saying like, hey, I came here to get a, a variety of opinions. But then when those opinions don't match the ones that you want to hear, that doesn't mean that we're off track, right? Like mm-hmm. we are just two human beings and we're going to have two human opinions and, and, and thoughts. But, but it doesn't mean that we're never going to have thoughts that are orthodox, right? Because right. we do go to church every week and we are really faithful members. And, and we like to think outside the box, both of us. I think that's kind of yeah. why we wanted to do this podcast is because we, we didn't hear a lot of um, opinions that we liked to talk about. Yeah. But I think a lot of the time you are going to hear the same thing that you would hear at church because um, that's just who we are, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, maybe I should have done a better job on some of the topics. It's true. Having sure. three guys discuss the feminism topic uh, is is awkward. So I'll tell you what what was awkward for me about that conversation. Okay. The person who wrote the editorial was a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have feminist friends and, and women friends in the church who regularly tell me about the oppression that happens in the church. So I'm aware that there are multiple perspectives on oppression in the church. But if I say, here is a woman who wrote an editorial about how the church is not oppressive. And then I, as a man, start saying, She's wrong because my feminist friends say she's wrong. Like that's not, that's like, isn't that a form of like mansplaining? And that's like me telling you, right. So, so it was, it was a difficult topic for three men to discuss and it's it's fine if people didn't like it. I understand that perspective and I respect that perspective, Yeah, but, but at the same time, I didn't want to just ignore it just because there's a woman that wrote something that not every woman in the church is going to agree with. Right. You felt like it was important to bring up. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I do also, I want your perspective on this, Melissa, because you are a, a more regular TWIM listener than I am. I listened to TWIM a lot when uh, with Al and Jeff. Mm-hmm. And then once Al was less regular, I didn't listen as often. Uh-huh. And you've kind of seen the evolution of the podcast. Sure. So what do you think about the evolution of the podcast? Is it a healthy thing? Is it a growing thing? Is it 
is it going back to something different or weird? Oh, um, I think that everything is going to evolve for sure. Do I miss Jeff? I do. He he was fantastic. Did I always agree with Jeff? No. Sometimes he absolutely drove me out of my mind. But <laughs> as a podcast listener, like I don't stop listening just because there's one episode or one host that I don't agree with. Like I'm listening because I do want to hear what other people have to think, right? And what I like about TWIM in general is that it gives me information that I can then go have conversations with other people, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I think that the evolution of as far as that goes is that we have now a variety of hosts who look at things really differently. And and that allows us then to, get, again, bring conversations back to people in a new way. And, and I think it's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, listeners, thanks so much for sending us emails. And if you disagree with our analysis of these emails and want to let us know, Hey, email us. I promise we will always open the mailbag and share your views with the TWIM audience as part of our podcast. Yeah, so, let's jump to quick clips now. Okay, so the first one is President Ballard was hospitalized and now he's been released from the hospital. Yep. I don't know that there's a lot more to say about that. I think it's just another indication that our leaders are getting old. Well, they are old, right? They're going to continue to have health problems. Things are going to happen. And it's just a function of the fact that we have older leadership than we've ever had before. Yeah. And I don't know that it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, this is quick clip, so I shouldn't evaluate. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to quickly go through it. So the church made a whole bundle of announcements in the last week or so. I'm going to go through those quickly. First of all, they announced 36 brand new missions. So Mm. that's a lot. It brings the total of missions worldwide to 450 missions And they said that the number of full-time missionaries is up back to where it was before COVID. So we had a big dip of serving during COVID. We're up to 72,000 missionaries now. That is so many. Do you want to know my favorite new mission, Melissa? Sure. Spanish Fork, Utah. Oh, is it his own mission? Spanish Fork, Utah and Saratoga Springs, Utah have their own missions. Wow. That's actually surprising. Yeah, that's very surprising. It looks like a lot of the missions are in Africa. Well, yeah, yeah, Philippines. um, But you're right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Another change is that now you can put in your mission papers. So tell the church that you want to serve uh, um, five months before you're eligible instead of four months before. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay, another announcement was the announcement of three new temple sites. So these temples were announced, but now the sites for them have been picked. The Vienna, Austria Temple, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and Winchester, Virginia. To me, what that means is that these temples are actually moving forward. I think people feel sometimes that we announce a lot of temples and then nothing happens. But at least for those three, sites have been picked. This is when real estate speculators know if their investment paid off. Paid off. Such a good point. Okay. Um, The First Presidency said that they're going to hold their Christmas devotional. So the First Presidency Christmas devotional will be on December 3rd. And they also released a schedule of all of the church broadcasts that will be happening for the whole next year. So every youth fireside, young single adult meeting, primary friend-to-friend meeting, um, tabernacle choir concerts, all of those dates have been released and they will all be um, put out on the Gospel Stream app, which was just released right before um, last General Conference. Have you used that app yet, Matt? No. There was a day of testimony that happened recently that um, I wanted okay. to watch the thing with my kids. And uh-huh. we couldn't get it because uh, just our internet wasn't great. And it was on that app. And I didn't yeah. have that app. 
And so, yeah. So when I wanted to watch conference, I tried to just go to the church website and I couldn't, I had to download the app to watch conference live. Um, so that's how I watched conference this year was on the gospel stream app. Um, it was fine. It was interesting. I did uninstall it afterwards. (laughs) I'm just a person who doesn't like to have a lot of apps running on my phone. People make fun of me, but, um, so, I mean, I'm sure like, I'll just like use it again when I want to watch another thing, but it was, it was easy to use. It was, you know, it was good. We put one of the links we put on, if you want to go to the, uh, first presidency Christmas devotional at temple square, uh, oh, in tickets, person? Yeah, you can reserve tickets on November 7th. And so our link to that is the link to where you would go to request tickets to see that live in person. Okay, cool. Are you going to do that? Have you ever done um, that? I have never been to that particular thing. I do like to try to go there so that my kids can see the prophet in person. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a special thing. Um, but no, I haven't. Maybe we'll try to do that this year. Yeah. Maybe. For me, it's hard just because it's on a Sunday evening and it's, right. you know, about an hour and a half away drive. So yeah. I haven't ever been to that one in person, but okay, cool. Okay. So there's, um, the church put out a statement on Hurricane Otis. Okay. Um, that's the one that went through Mexico, right? I, yeah. Yeah. Just to let us know that the missionaries are safe and the church is involved in, um, efforts to like make things better. Okay. Um, the World Food Program has reached 1.6 million people across nine countries with life-saving food. And in part, this is thanks to the $32 million gift they received last year from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you were aware of this, Melissa. Right now, there are over 100 million people who are displaced from their homes because of wow. violence, like natural disasters, all that stuff. There's just so much need in the world right now of people who don't have a place to live and don't have food. And uh, I really appreciate that the church is trying in every major yeah. disaster. The church is there trying to help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, Matt, have you ever heard of the author Jennifer Nielsen? No. Oh, okay. Well, Utah is well known for having a lot of authors, like popular authors, especially young adult authors. So you've got like Brandon Mole, Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Nielsen is up there with them. She's she's written about, I think, probably two dozen books. She's got a, um, three fantasy series. Um, she writes historical fiction. And yeah, she writes for young adults. And she's she's a really great writer. Um nationally so, recognized, you know, so like she's not, say, she's not an LDS writer. She's just a writer um, who happens to be LDS. So young adult, would that be, cause Brandon Sanderson is a tough read for me. He's, he's pretty like, it's, he's, he's in, deep fantasy. And Brandon Mole is not so deep. It's kind of, he's the, more middle grade book. And so, so she's kind of the same level as Brandon Mole. I'd say she's, I'd say she's between those two, probably between those two, because she, she, she writes, a few different genres. Oh, anyway, okay. She's a great author. Um, and again, like nationally recognized as one of the best young adult authors, but um, good news for her. She was just named the very first Utah ambassador of young people's literature. Wow. So um, nationally they have ambassadors of young people's literature, but Utah just decided to create one and she's the first one, which means that she gets to travel around and um, talk to people about reading and talk to teens about um, why reading is important. And I just think that's a pretty cool thing for her to be named the first Utah ambassador of young Good people's for her. literature. Yep. C- congratulations, Jennifer Nielsen. 
Yeah, I'll give you one of her books to read. You'll probably enjoy it. I might. So I've been trying to listen to Moby Dick as I drive Have because you? I've, and I'm in chapter 13. And I, in the audiobook, I'm three hours in, but there's 23 more hours to go. And I, yeah, I can't do it. Like, it's yeah. just so hard for me. I don't recommend Moby Dick, like in general. <laughs> I don't like a lot of classics, honestly. Yeah, I can't. It's hard for me. Yeah. So I should maybe try some of these easier. We'll give you The False Prince. That's her first fantasy book, oh, and okay. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll try that. Okay. Okay. I really want to have your take on this, Melissa. Oh, so, can't wait. So three universities in Utah, which, by the way, is University of Utah is also up in enrollment, but they're not one of these. So Weber okay. State, Weber State University. Uh, UVU and Southern Utah University are okay. all reporting record enrollment in their okay. schools right now. Okay. At the same time, BYU-Idaho has seen declining enrollment for the last three years. Hmm, interesting. And BYU has fewer people applying to go to BYU. Okay. So they don't have declining enrollment at BYU because most kids who go to BYU-Idaho would rather go to BYU if they could. Sure. Right? So, okay. Okay. So my question for you is, why do you think that is? Why is it that the BYUs are on the decline and the other schools in Utah are on the increase? Okay. Well, we did introduce ourselves as the uneducated hosts, so I will give you an uneducated <laughs> opinion. Well, you okay? have kids that go to college. You know lots sure, of people Sure, yeah. And schools. we did just finish college application week or college application month in Utah in high schools. And I, I helped a lot of seniors um, apply to universities this month, actually. Um, record enrollment. Why? Um, I would say, first of all, a lot of people, um, during the COVID pandemic did not want to go to university because a lot of it was done online. And so there was a sour taste, Mm -hmm. but since then, uh, universities have stopped requiring ACT and SAT scores for admission. I was shocked that this is actually still going on, but like I said, I helped a lot of seniors apply this month. You don't need to have an ACT score at all to apply to admission at at these universities. Now for scholarships, they do look at it. So that's a little bit different, but um, so I'd say like, maybe it's easier to get into college. Um, And so maybe that's why there's more enrollment. It can't be easier than getting into BYU, Idaho. BYU, Idaho lets everybody in. Well, so SUU is growing for sure. Southern Utah University in Cedar city. They have, kind of been at a standstill because they didn't have housing for like three or four years. So they couldn't take any more students because they didn't have any more student housing. Like when my daughter was there four years ago, they were literally sending out emails to families being like, will you take a student? Will you take a student? We have too many students and nowhere to house them. Like for real. Yeah. So I think that they have sort of maybe, maybe their housing boom has caught up and now they have more housing. So they're able to take more enrollment. I'd say UVU is probably a similar thing there. They don't have any on-campus housing at Utah Valley University, mm-hmm. but they have the highest enrollment right. in the state. They, they have more college students than any other university in the state. Right. A lot of those are online, right? So if you're able to have a lot more online students, then probably you're able to increase enrollment. But why I don't are know. They, why are kids but in why Utah not BYU-Idaho? Yes, this why is what not I want BYU, to know. What are we doing wrong? Why can't, well, why don't they want to come here? Uh, well, uh, I Permission to speak freely, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I did attend um, what was known as Rick's College back in the day. I hated it with all my heart. It was a terrible experience for me. Um, Not because I don't love the gospel. I really do. I hate rules and confinement. And frankly, when you're uh, 
going out on your own for the first time, the last thing that I wanted was somebody telling me that I have a curfew and rules about like everything I could do mm-hmm. because I wanted to be an adult. I don't think that's changed though about BYU Idaho. So I don't know if that's a reason but, for declining enrollment. Well, but but maybe though now kids have other options, right? UVU mm. and SUU tuition is about the same as BYU Idaho. Yeah. And now there is another choice where you could say, I want mm-hmm. an affordable option and mm-hmm. I maybe want to be around members of the church, but I mm-hmm. don't have to go to BYU Idaho to get that. I could get that at some other school without all of the restrictions that come with BYU Idaho. Yeah, maybe. And the cold. It's so cold there. Do you have I any li- ideas why that might be? Um, I think that w- I think that you're touching on a lot of it. I I think that I do think that there are a number of people who go to BYU Idaho expecting a certain kind of environment, mm-hmm. and I think that maybe in the classrooms they're getting the kind of spiritual environment they're hoping for, but that it doesn't necessarily happen outside of classroom on yeah. A- on camp, like in in the housing, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that for a lot of people, they're saying, I don't want to have maybe drugs or alcohol or stuff like that around me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to choose a place where everyone's being righteous. And then they get there and they're like, wait a minute, like this is yeah. more different than if I were at a dorm in any other place. So then why mm-hmm. would I go there? And I wonder if maybe some of that gets out where people are like, you know, you might as well just go to UVU because BYU-Idaho isn't necessarily hmm. more righteous or more... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. I've, I've spent almost all of my life at the BYUs, right? Yeah. I love and I love the BYUs. And you do. so and so permission I, to speak freely for you as well, Matt. <laughs> I love them. I love everything yeah. about them. Yeah. Um and so that's what but it's curious, right? It's an interesting trend. And so I uh-huh. just I, I wondered if you had any insights as to why that might be. Huh. Well, and and I think that BYU-Idaho sees students from all over the country, right? These universities we're talking about are just Utah universities that are increasing in enrollment. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I wish you guys well at the (laughs) BYU-Idaho, and I'll try to send some seniors your way. Okay? (laughs) Okay. Do you remember at General Conference what Elder Rasband talked about? He talked, I just read it like yesterday. He talked about, we need more senior missionaries. Yes, that's right. So just yesterday, um, there was an article with Elder Rasband, and he said that the response from senior missionaries has been, quote, tremendous. He said, um, he said, like, I've just been overwhelmed by the amount of response that we've had from senior couples. The funny thing, though, is, um, is that. What we've seen is, I'll read this to you. He says, the department who measures applications tells me people are filling out applications. I'm told by our people that it's a higher number than ever in history, that even in one month, the number of applications that have been started. Wow. So people haven't like submitted their papers, (laughs) but we see that they're probably going to, and we're super duper excited about it. So. (laughs) What they need is they need a bot that starts emailing people saying, I noticed you started filling out your mission application. <laughs> Would you like to complete it? Would you like well, help good. making your appointment to see the doctor? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Even if all they did is start an application, I like yeah. that people respond to the call, right? Uh, members of our church are great. When you say we need Agreed. you, they will step up and they will be there. Yeah. Okay. So do you remember this story from, uh, this was last week, uh, Tiffany and friends talked about Blaze Thibodeau. So Blaze Thibodeau is a 16 year old in Gilbert, Arizona. 
Yeah, all the family had weird names like Stormy and Rainy and Blaze. Spring and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, okay, I remember. So okay. he was like basically kidnapped by his mom and maybe aunt and uncle and taken his, a his mom and her brother and his sister who's married to and doesn't does not live at home anymore. Mm-hmm. They thought he was like a Zionist messianic figure or something like that. So they were they were preparing for the end times and so okay. they took him with them. And then the dad was like, uh, just trying to get him back. And so okay, got, yeah. did a custody hearing and okay. So they were able to find them, um, on, in Alaska and okay. blaze is now home and he's okay. And, Good. um, prosecutors want his mother and his uncle extradited to Arizona to face charges and listeners who are interested in the details of the story can click on the link and read all about this story. Yeah. But you know what I hear when I think of when I hear Gilbert, Arizona and end of times, I think of Lori Vallow, Daybell. Yeah. And this story like alleges that there's some kind of a link between those two people. Mm-hmm. So my question is, do you think that this is a Gilbert, Arizona Mormon thing? Do you think that this is a Mormon thing? Or do you mm-hmm. think this is just a thing and they just happen to be members of the church? Like, is there something this tells us about our church or the church in Gilbert, Arizona, that this sort of stuff happens there maybe more than it should? Um, I think that there are people in Gilbert, Arizona that certainly have been pulled into this, but also in Rexburg, Idaho, and also in Cache Valley, Utah. I mean, I think there's people everywhere. Mm-hmm. That um, definitely were followers of Chad Daybell, for example, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's concerning because w- what's concerning to me is how there's always this leap, right? So, like with Lori Day or Vallow, it was like the leap was like, and now I can tell you who's dark and who's light, like, mm-hmm. and we're we're supposed to like gather people for the second coming. Same with this Thibodeau family, right? Like mm-hmm. now our son, he's like some sort of like extra special person in the gathering, yeah. is what they said Blaze was, right? So, so to me, it's it's weird this leap from traditional faith and even from like you know planning for the second coming or like, um, you know, a lot of prepping and stuff like that. Like that's even more mainstream, but then how do we get this jump to like, I don't know, being like, yeah. yeah. Well, so I listened to the Lori Vallow Daybell trial Uh as much as I could. And I, they convinced me that she has a mental illness and I can't remember exactly what it was, but her sister Mm -hmm. even confirmed on the stand, like my sister changed. She had a mental illness. So Okay. So to me, the Lori Vallow Daybell thing is she's a normal member of the church and then she has mental illness thing hit her. Okay. And then mental illness just works with like the conditions around you. And so then mm-hmm. it looks like somebody taking the church too far, but really mm-hmm. it's just mental illness. And so that's why I wonder, maybe this stuff is just mental illness and they're members of the church. But if they weren't members of our church, they would take whatever other beliefs they have and go crazy mm-hmm. wild with it. That it's not something in our church that's leading to that stuff. It's just the church is the cultural surroundings where the mental illness hits. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> okay. Because to me, it's like, well, okay, but then, so was Chad also mentally ill? And somehow those two people, their mental illness onset at a similar time when they met each other, like, because, yeah. you know, I haven't and heard then his tr- yeah, yeah, these yeah. other followers, all these people who follow them, yeah. like, Anyways, well, and then when we get to speculate, (laughs) there is this element in in our culture where people get duped. Like I was Mm -hmm. reading today about some like cryptocurrency thing that started in Provo, 
And right. these people like took millions of dollars from their investors, right? So yes. there is something where we're more likely to get duped. So there's mm-hmm. maybe something there. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, we're going to move let's, on. Yeah, let's do the next story. Okay. Um, you know the series, the TV series, The Chosen. We've talked about it before. <laughs> Yes. We've prophesied about it in testimony <laughs> meeting. I mean, not me personally, but people for sure have. Yes. It's brought up many times in Sunday school, The Chosen. Now, mm-hmm. is it an LDS produced show? No. No, no, it's not. But nonetheless, I feel that it belongs in our podcast. Yes, because it's on <laughs> so, BYU TV. It is on BYU TV and they do shoot it in Utah. So I don't know. Yeah. But it, I, I actually love The Chosen. Um, I watch it like repeatedly, like I've watched every sh- every show more than once, but wow. um, they are going to release a Christmas The Chosen movie. Um, so it's going to come out in theaters, a whole movie, and it's going to be about like the shepherd and it's going to have all the cast in it and everything, but it's just a Christmas specific movie. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners, if you want to watch the trailer, there's a link to it in our show notes. Um, anyways, I just thought I'd bring that up and some of the music in it will be done by the Bonner family who are LDS. So, okay. So if you could only watch one movie from angel studios or Taylor Swift. Okay. So you get to or choose. Taylor Swift. Oh, you I get to Taylor choose. Swift. You get to choose Sound of Freedom, The Chosen okay. Christmas Movie, or Taylor okay. Swift. Okay. Well, I choose Taylor Swift. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I haven't seen The Sound of Freedom. I'm not against seeing it. Um, I, I probably would like to see a Christmas type movie at Christmas time, but Matt, I saw the Christmas, <laughs> I saw the Taylor Swift um, movie slash concert in theaters, and it was, the most amazing experience. It's I worth think the it money. was better. Oh yeah. <laughs> I even bought a popcorn tin that cost me $20 oh. because I wanted it for keeps. <laughs> uh, me and my daughter went, we had matching shirts. We've been making bracelets for months, but we forgot to bring them with us. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, but no, I honestly think it was better than maybe seeing the concert in person. It was, I want to go again. I went a few days ago and I want to go again, like in theaters. It was so good. And I know that you're actually a Swifty, Matt. I know that you actually love her songs. I I do love Taylor Swift. And Mm -hmm. and I also really hate going to movie theaters. And so that's why whenever I hear about a movie coming out, I'm like, you could now I haven't gone to see Taylor Swift because I hate movie theaters. Yeah. But I can't imagine doing a, a movie that's not. Taylor Swift or Beyonce when she does her thing. like Yeah, well, so we went to the uh, the nice theater. I mean, it was only showing in one theater near me, but we it had like the recliners. So mm. that, that was really nice because it is long. Um, there were absolutely people dancing and running around and singing the entire three hours, like <laughs> out of their seats, like it was an actual concert, including men who were much, much older than you, Matt. So mm. <laughs> yep. yeah, it's, it's a, it's a phenomenon. Yeah. So I choose Taylor Swift, but anyways, the chosen, I yeah. think it will be, I think it'll be good. I think they put out quality stuff. So. Okay. So there is a new tithing lawsuit that was recently filed. I think what makes okay. this interesting is that the people who filed the lawsuit are active members of the church. Mm. So it's not one of these situations where um, they're trying to like get their tithing money back. I actually think they're doing it because they're trying to bring about change in the church, or at least in the way the church talks about tithing and humanitarian funds and stuff like that. So this okay, is Okay, well, okay. I'm okay, just I understand what their... you're saying, but explain to me a little bit more a tithing lawsuit. So they're, they're suing the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints saying like, you owe us our tithing money or... Yeah. 
Okay. Well, so here's what it says. It's a 38-page lawsuit, and I'm not oh, Tiffany, okay. so I'm not a lawyer, and I don't go and read these. But here's okay, the quote okay. from the Deseret News. They claim that rather than use these funds entrusted to it for charitable work, the Corporation of the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints secreted donations away in Ensign in order to avoid public scrutiny and accountability to the donors and instead use them for purposes never contemplated by donors and contrary to representations made by the Corporation of the President. Okay. So this sounds exactly like the Huntsman lawsuit. Yeah. Okay. Except for that they're not trying to, they're not mad about that they paid tithing or whatever, and please give us our tithing money back. In fact, they, I think I'm reading this now, a couple of them say like, I'm going to continue paying tithing in the future. Like, I'm I'm still paying tithing. Yeah. I just think that they want the, so the church has already paid a fine or negotiated a fine with the SEC over their accounting practices, but I think that they would like the church to have a little bit more um, accountability maybe. For what okay. it does, right? Like, okay. if you say that this money is going to humanitarian causes, or you say that this money is going to tithing, then it probably shouldn't go to Ensign Peak and be used to build a mall or to bail out an insurance company, okay. or I don't know. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, I have nothing to add to what they've said in their lawsuit. Who knows? Okay. We'll find out. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, Melissa. Okay. It is now time for. Famous, famous Mormons. Mormons. Now, okay. Did you ever watch the TV show Grey's Anatomy? Uh, no. Patrick Dempsey was Dang on it. it. It was like a I know long it was time. super popular. I know it was like a medical show. I know that everybody was into it. I'm sorry, I never watched it. Okay, well, I I chose three of the actors who were okay, on Grey's Anatomy. Okay, one of them I'll, was. I'll Google raised. them. I'll find out who they are. As you I tell put, me. I put links to them in the show notes. So okay. listeners, okay. if you want to play along, you can look at the links. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Ellen Pompeo was one of them. Okay. Uh, Chandra Wilson okay. and Catherine Hagel. Okay. So Grey's Anatomy fans will know exactly who I'm talking about. I won't need to yes. know anything else. Okay. So which of those, given that you don't know who they are? Which I those only recognize think? one name, so I'm going to pick her, Catherine Hagel. You're right. She was oh, raised. Really? Yeah. Now, okay. how do you recognize her name? Uh, I don't know. Um, oh. I I don't know. Like, she's probably definitely done other things. I don't know. Catherine Yeah, she, she has. She actually lives in Utah right now. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. She lives, I think, out in the Park City area on a big ranch. And she um, has been public recently talking about how wonderful it is to live in Utah. Oh, yeah. But she was raised a member of the church. Okay. Awesome. She might not be an ambassador for the church anymore, but she's an ambassador oh. for Utah. Which... Do you think if you saw her like at the Maverick, you would be like, hello, Sister Hagel? <laughs> I would. I'd be like, I'm your ministering brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I've been trying to reach you, but your text, your phone number is blocked on the church records. Sister Hagel, I have a calling for you. <laughs> We're, we're having a trunk or treat. We would really like to have a celebrity just to welcome people and greet them. And I I think you're a celebrity. Would you come to our trunk or treat or our, our ward Christmas party? And <laughs> Hey, maybe she would like to sing. Is she a singer? Maybe no, that she's doesn't not count. A would you she like can... to host? Yes, our, host. Okay. 
Or could you do some free publicity on your Instagram account and let people know about our award Christmas party? That's why this is everybody's favorite segment. (laughs) Famous Mormons. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. I'm going to move us on to big deal, little deal, or no deal. All right. Okay. So, Matt, I'm going to do the first headline. We're going to say at the same time if it's a big deal, little deal, or no deal. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's, now I've rewritten the headlines. Okay. So, I hope this works. Um, religious hope strengthens families. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one. No big deal. Big deal. Oh. I say big deal. Well, okay, it's according to a BYU study, which is why it's in our podcast today. Um, here's the thing. It's it's just a study about religious hope and families. The reason I think it's a big deal is because I feel like whenever I talk to people, they are always like, the world is such a scary place. Or why is everybody in a fight with each other? Why can't everybody just like get along? Like, I just feel like there's a lot of negativity about the state of the world. And I like this, this study. And I like the use of the word hope, because I think that's what the world needs. The world needs hope. And that Matt is a big deal. Okay. (laughs) It's just like, Whenever somebody says there's a study that shows something, I think, mm-hmm. how do they measure religious hope? Like, mm-hmm. really, what is religious hope as a concept, and how do you measure it? And how I'll do you know you that it's religious? Uh huh. You ask well, people. Yeah, and, they, and they, they measured it in four ways, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. they measured it um, with religious um, faith, and they measured it with um, religious practices like prayer and scripture study, and I don't know, a few more things. Right. Um, but, but, um, but yeah, I, I think anything that highlights like, Hey, the way that members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are doing things is working and is, is not just strengthening families, but strengthening the world. I think it's a big deal. My, okay. I'm glad that we can point it out. Okay. I like it. You've, okay, you've persuaded me. That's Aww. a big deal. Okay. Great. Great. Your turn. <laughs> okay. This is in Hebrew city, a planned okay. Utah park honoring book of Mormon. And the U.S. founding raises talk of Christian nationalism. Okay. Backers hope the Heber City attraction will teach visitors, young and old, that this nation is a promised land with a divine birth and destiny. Is this okay. a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Three, two, one. Little no deal. deal. Okay. I said little deal, and I don't know anything about this story. And I'm not yeah. actually that interested in it, except for this is why I think it's a little deal. It's a a city, not a not a church, right? Doing a very religious thing, which I think is interesting. And then I think this this word Christian nationalism, I think that's like a, a trigger word for some people. Not for yeah. me. I don't actually understand what it's pointing to, but but I feel like those two things together kind of make me like say like, well, what's going on here in Heber City? Well, they use the word Christian nationalism because it does get clicks. So Christian nationalism is this belief that's predominant among evangelicals and some people in our church that America is a Christian nation Mm -hmm. and that in order for the United States to thrive and survive, we need to hold to our Christian ideals. And that, that upsets some people because we're also a pluralistic society where there's a whole variety of religious expression in society. And Mm. they would say religion is maybe good, but it doesn't have to be Christian religion. And so interesting. Okay. So, so there's this, and you're probably familiar with this like current of 
LDS thought that like ties Book of Mormon characters with the founding of our nation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This this sounds like something that we kind of hear about in the Book of Mormon, right? So there's a there's a sculptor I think from Washington who's who's like made some sculptures and says where I would like to display this stuff that shows the the Book of Mormon connection to the founding of our nation and perhaps the hand of God in founding our nation and promotes their vision or their view of like our country and being founded by God and stuff like that. And then okay. other people would say, well, that's not how I understand the Book of Mormon and that's not how I understand that stuff. So maybe yeah. that shouldn't be in a city park. Right, for all right, to right. See. Yeah, yeah. So like Thanksgiving Point has some really nice religious statues that you can go to Thanksgiving Point and see the statues. Are they all religions or just Mormon religion? Uh, at Thanksgiving Point, I think it's all LDS stuff. Okay. And but, is it just kind of because that area was founded by... No, no, it's just Thanksgiving Point has this sculpture garden that it's huh. a private group, right? And you have to pay a lot of money to go see it. Okay. And and so I think this is Heber City saying, well, we want, this expresses our view of the world or this stuff matters okay. to us. And, okay. And if we put it on public land, then anybody can come see it for free. Whereas if we have it be private, then people have to pay a lot of money to go see it. And so I hmm. think, okay. so this, I don't know, just makes some people upset. I say, I said it was no deal because mm -hmm. Heber city, Utah, although it's probably a, a big city in Utah and maybe important in Utah in the grand scheme of things, this is just a park with some statues in it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Who cares? Okay. Okay. Um, you've convinced me both ways that I was <laughs> right and that you were right. Well played, Matthew. Yes, well yes, played. Thank you. Okay. All right. Here's my headline. McKay Coppins. Do you know who he is? Yeah. He's a writer for the Atlantic. He's a, he's a well-known reporter. Yeah. McKay Coppins writes a biography of Mitt Romney. Three, two, one. Big little deal. Little deal. Oh. It, a little big to big. Deal. I was I was going either way. Big deal. Um, yeah. Sure. Tell me why, Matt. So the thing I love most about Mitt Romney, and I know he can be a controversial figure. There's uh, uh, the thing I love Permission most about to speak freely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the thing on. I love most about him is how open he is and transparent. So mm -hmm. there's a Netflix video of Mitt Romney where you can be in the room with him as he finds out that he lost the 2012 presidential election. Yeah. Like, that stuff is priceless. Mm -hmm. And I love that he says, listen, I want this story to be told. And so he finds someone that's a good reporter. He, he sure. doesn't like look for some ideal. Maybe he did or not. I don't know. And then gives this guy access to everything and says- Like all of his journals for years and years and years. Everything. And so yeah. to me, that's a big deal because that's an example I would want all of our elected officials to follow. Hmm. Stop hiding things. Stop keeping things secret. Stop saying these things are personal. You're yeah. a public figure representing the people. Let them see everything. And 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 people are going to poke fun at Mitt Romney for it. And people mm -hmm. are going to love Mitt Romney for it. But he says, hmm. I'm going to make it all available for everyone to see. And so okay. to me, that's a big deal. Okay. Okay. I have a few thoughts with questions. So I'm glad that he had McKay Coppins write it because again, McKay Coppins is like a great journalist. Um, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of stuff that I've read about him. He was on the campaign trail as a reporter mm -hmm. when Mitt Romney was running for president, but also he is a member of the church. And so he's able to explain things that people outside the church might not understand and to know like what things need explained. So I think that's mm -hmm. really good. Yeah. Um, big question. How much money do you think McKay slash Mitt get from this book? 
Um, I I don't think that Mitt is gonna. He's not a co-author. He's not an okay. owner of it. So I don't. So think, you don't think he gets a. I don't think a Mitt's lot. getting anything. I think McKay Coppins and then the publisher and I'll, Mitt's got to get something, doesn't he? No, I think I think he intentionally. Yeah. Okay. And I think he said at one point that he wanted his story told, but it would be better if he didn't tell his own story. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I really don't think he's getting get any money from this. And Okay. Um, Interesting. I, I do think also most authors of books don't make a ton of money. Publishers make a sure. lot of money. But I would hope that this one, well, just because he's such a big national figure and he is retiring, this is probably a good moment to put this book out. I yeah. hope it does well. I hope for McKay that it does well. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, follow-up thought. Um, so you know how, I think you've explained this to me in the past, so I could be misunderstanding, but when you get made a general authority, don't all of your journals become property of the church? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I'm just saying like maybe Mitt could be in line to become like some sort of a church leader in the future mm. and maybe giving all of his journals out to McKay now is a smart move because then they aren't. <laughs> or- um Owned by the church. Is, does that make sense? Maybe he's afraid they would call him as a general authority. And so he if says, only, <laughs> let me put if it all. If only they could get his, his journals. He's That's like, how they make the decisions. No, no, Whose no. journals do we really want to own? <laughs> no, he says, if they knew the whole story, maybe they wouldn't be so interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> let yeah. Let me yeah. put it all out there. Okay. Yeah. I, I honestly think that, so... Again, Mitt and I have disagreed about politics at various you, times you over talk the years. With Mitt on a first name basis, <laughs> Mitt and I. But just generally, like <laughs> I know, there's plenty of room for disagreement. But sure. what he what he has always done that I strongly value is he's always. I feel like he puts the country first in whatever way he defines that, mm-hmm. and he tries very hard to be open about what he doesn't hide. Right? Okay. He has his own way of just saying. Like and it's the mitt way, and it's not always <laughs> the best. But he is trying. Sure. I, I, I don't know. I think he tries okay. to make the country better. Okay, um, I appreciate your opinion. Thanks, Maddie. <laughs> okay, now we're going to talk about something listeners don't know this about Melissa, but she is so passionate about yeah. this next story. Okay, Sean Edwards, uh, survivor. Ta- yes, Sean Edwards is a pro- uh, principal at a Orem or Provo school. Uh-huh. And he was recently on Survivor, and he okay. talked about his experience on Survivor. Okay, we is need this... to say big deal, little deal, or no deal first, right. but I can't wait right. to talk about it. Big so deal. Three. It's a big deal. Two, it's a really big deal. One. No big deal. deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first I'm going to read this little blurb. Okay. Uh, this is from that story. So Sean Edwards was raised a member of the church. That's why we're talking about him on the podcast. And he is gay. And at one point in his life, he felt like uh, he had maybe been living a liar. So he says this, my core purpose for being on the show, Survivor, was this idea of reclaiming lost time. For a long time, I tried to live a life that didn't feel authentic and genuine to me. So I went on Survivor to kind of rewrite my past in a sense. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about Sean? I, I know that it's controversial how he left Survivor. Yeah. What do you think about Sean's attempt to go on Survivor to try to retell his reclaim his past or I don't know we let's just talk about Sean and Survivor okay well first of all I think that it's great that Survivor is still putting out new seasons and new episodes it's the greatest <laughs> um I look forward to it um me and my family watch an episode every Sunday There's you didn't watch current... this week's episode right uh well I the last one I watched is Sean so don't spoil it oh my I, goodness one came out on Wednesday but I can't watch it until Sunday so 
Okay. Don't spoil I missed it the, for me. I missed the Sean episode because oh. my TV didn't record. So th- okay. I actually don't know how he left the show. But okay. this week's episode, oh my goodness, Melissa. Amazing. Okay. okay well, Sean, um, Sean thought that he was going to get voted out. Um, he wasn't. He actually wasn't going to get voted right. out. Sifu was going to go. Right. But he thought he was going to get voted out. And as tribal council is going on, Sean's kind of like freaking out a little bit. And so he suddenly is like, hey, um, I I would like all of you to vote me out. I'm going to request right now that you vote me out. And they were like, what? What? What are you talking about? What's going on? And then he goes into this big like soliloquy about his Mormon background and his Mormon upbringing and being gay and sort of the same things that you already talked about in his quote. And he says, and what I've realized through being on Survivor is that what's most important to me is my family, my husband, and I just want to go home and be with my husband. So please vote me wow, out. Wow, that is so sweet. And they say, okay, no, Matt, it's not. Oh. Put on your Survivor glasses for a minute. Oh, no, okay. it's okay. not. Okay. I'm not a human for a moment. <laughs> First of all, does Sean get to go home? No, he gets to stay out on the island the same amount of time, whether he's playing Survivor or not. Well, he gets to go to Ponderosa ranch and yeah but he doesn't get to go home and be with his husband which is what he was saying was so important he can talk to him on the phone okay whatever you don't quit survivor okay (laughs) that is hello the worst thing you could possibly do not to mention which spoiler alert he's the second person in four weeks to quit this season well then maybe survivor has a problem like yeah maybe it's the people that they pick to put on survivor who are a bunch of ninnies can't handle anything why are you trying out to be on survivor if you don't want to be on survivor but his tribe was a little cursed right you don't want to go on survivor and then go to tribal council every single play the game i'm just saying like do you know how hard it is to get on survivor now side note like sean he was one of my favorite players that's how i think i was so upset that he quit because it was like he had the potential to go really far and he was a great player and it was really fun to watch and um as a survivor fan it is just so annoying to hear somebody say well i'm not gonna quit i would never quit but please vote me out um that's quitting that's the same thing so based on this melissa i'm gonna guess that social media has been very mean to him well, probably because they were very mean to the first person who quit. I'm not on social media a lot, so I don't yeah. actually know how this works. But I but think I was, that that if you play Survivor, you got to know that social media is going to be up in your grill no matter how your game goes. And quitting is pretty bad. I also think that Jeff Probst, it's pretty upset host of Survivor, Jeff Probst. Um, is pretty upset when, when people quit. Yeah. But I mean, I wish Sean the best and I'm glad that he realized what's important to him out in the wilderness of wilds of Survivor. But like, come on, man. Come on. We've had very interesting people who are members of our church represent us on Survivor. It's like, true, huh? There was that adjunct professor from BYU, Dawn. She was very okay. controversial. Like, I remember one of the... The season, somebody just went after her. Like, yeah, you never laugh. You only say that's very funny. And mm, yeah, that's right. <laughs> she was super orthodox. Yeah. yeah, I'm watching an old season right now where um the player is um he's a former NBA athlete. He's very very tall. Oh, Scott. Uh, Scott. Yeah, yeah Scott. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he was raised Mormon, and he talks about that on Survivor. He was in my ward in Kansas. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because he played basketball at KU. Oh, okay, yes. gotcha. So it's interesting. It's interesting the way that we get portrayed on that show. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. But- well, yeah. Anyways, I love you, Sean Edwards. I'm I'm yeah. happy that you're happy, but also I love Survivor more. 
That's I all. also hope that nobody's <laughs> being mean to you, Sean. Yeah. I want to apologize for anything that happened when you were in the church when you were young that made you feel like not a part of things. And well, I'm I think sad. it was being gay, right? That that's yeah. what made him feel not a part of things, which yeah, that's true. is a legitimate, you know, that a happens legitimate for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. This is a new segment, Melissa. I've never heard of this before. No, we've done twim takes once before, but oh, okay. I'm bringing twim takes back. It's just sometimes when I want to talk about something that may or may not have a current um, headline related to it, and so I'm calling it twim takes. Okay. And here's what it is this this week. Um, how do you think members of the church should celebrate Halloween? Do you have an opinion <laughs> on this? I I, I, I love Halloween. Also, um, yeah. I've gone through a lot of seasons of celebrating it. You hate Halloween? Is that what you were going to say? Hate Halloween. It's my most hated ho- holiday of all of How's them. How's that possible? What do you hate about it? I don't like dressing up in costumes. I don't okay. like when other people dress up in costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times the Halloween scary stuff gets really gory and yeah. feels some of it feels kind of evil to me. And okay, so I that's hate- what I'm saying. As a member of the church, is that is that something we should think about? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's a church thing. Maybe it must be, but... Yeah, some of it, I don't mind a good scare, right? Jump out of the bushes and frighten people or, I don't know, scary monsters And do you like candy? Do you like trick-or-treating? <laughs> so, I do like, when I was a child, I loved getting candy. More uh-huh. and more, I'm like, is there a, a maximum age for trick-or-treating? Because there's some pretty old kids. I think like... it's 42. I think it's 42. <laughs> Like I see a few young children and I'm happy to give them candy. And then I see these like high school kids pulling up in their vehicles asking for candy. Give it to them. I say they get it. Yeah. Yeah. We're happy to give. So I like there's there's aspects of Halloween that I like. Mm -hmm. Um, But so often it gets overshadowed by this other sort of stuff that doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Well, okay. So um, Utah is ranked number one in the nation for trick-or-treating and number three in the nation for Halloween spirit. So we do things like decorate our yards and put up lights. In fact, there was a story this week about a Grantsville man who got told he had to take down his Halloween decorations. Like he got told by the city that he lived in that he had to take down his Halloween decorations because he had decorations. Have you ever seen those decorations where there's just like people and they'll put up skeletons in their yard doing things like mowing the lawn or like digging a grave? His Uh skeleton was pole dancing. (laughs) <laughs> and so, so the city made him take it down. Yeah. Oh yeah. my, Melissa, that story is on the New York Post. <laughs> yep, it is. It <laughs> National is. news. Yep. That yeah. In Utah, we make skeletons pole dance. Yeah. And there's but, there's these skeletons in lawn chairs watching this pole dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's in the show notes. Okay. Um, so this is going to be another thing I don't like about Halloween. I'm not a fan okay. of that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, um. But but I feel like even in the church, we celebrate it a lot, right? Like most wards have a trunk or treat. Yes. Almost every ward that I know of has some sort of a party, like a chili cook-off or a soup yes. cook-off or something like that, right? Yes. Like it's definitely um, a holiday that we celebrate. My ward, we always have like a carnival. So the youth will like set up things like, I don't know, like... Uh, fish fishing for mm-hmm. treats or yeah. uh you know like you go around every room in the church and one of the youth has set up like some sort of a game to play for the primary kids so yeah like we celebrate it hard um our ward had all of those combined so there was, okay. was outdoors there was a chili cook-off and then a whole bunch of like cookies and stuff mm-hmm. that you could go get food in the driveway there was a bounce house 
There was a carnival from the kids also in the driveway. Wow. And then there was the ward trunk or treat was happened after all of that other stuff. So it was all Was this on Halloween night or just another separate nope, party? This night? was on Friday night before okay. Halloween. Yeah. So okay. like four days before Halloween, we had our yeah. ward Halloween party. So maybe that's also why we're so big in Halloween, uh, like in rankings, because I was handing out candy for like three nights. <laughs> yeah. Multiple parties, right? Like if yeah. you have kids, you got to get them dressed up like three or four times for different mm-hmm. Halloween things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess another thing I'm, I, and I love Halloween. It's honestly probably my very favorite holiday. Um, wow. At my school, I'm in charge of student government, and I make high school so fun on Halloween. I'm going to tell you all the things I do at high school just as part of student government. Okay. We um, we have a scary movie festival, so students mm. can submit their own scary movies that they make that are like two to three minutes long, and wow. we have a whole assembly where we watch them. Yeah. Wow. Um, we have a Dancing with the Stars Halloween assembly <laughs> where all of the dances are Halloween dances, people dressed up. We do like a big thriller thing, and then we have a big competition for like people who've learned dances all month. It's the biggest assembly of the year. It's so fun. Wow. We actually have a haunted hallway so my school's really old and there's this one old um, hallway with a locker room like attached and we do a big haunted house through it two days in a row and it's what? free and it is over the top fun and it's just during lunch and all the students can walk through it and it is scary and crazy and wow. good. We hand out candy. We have costume contests. Like, like it's a wow. big deal. Like I love Halloween, but I just, I guess as far as Twim takes, I've been thinking like at the end of the day. Halloween is actually based on a religious holiday, is it not? Well, all Saints all ha- Day, All yeah, Saints Day, and All Hallows Eve. Yeah, yeah, and 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 we do nothing religious on Halloween. Right. Like right. it's it's kind of like I guess it, to some extent, Christmas and Easter are kind of like heading this way. Yes. But I've never even given a thought to the fact that Halloween is actually like a religious day and like maybe we should do things to honor saints or to honor those who have died or passed on. Like our friends in the Latino community who do Dia de los Muertos. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Like, th- yeah. Right. They they kind of celebrate it the way I think it was meant to be celebrated, where you right. honor your ancestors. You, like, and- set up a big display with, like, your ancestors and you remember them. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and maybe that's not our religion specific, so maybe we just kind of ignore it. But I'm just kind of, I don't know. I just I just wanted to have a discussion about, like, should we think of it more as a religious holiday? I think it would be better if we had it as a day to remember and honor our ancestors. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you can still do that by handing out candy to them if you want. Okay. Hey, do you <laughs> know who Mark do you know do you know who Mark Rober is? Oh yeah, YouTuber. He did does you see like his the new, sciencey things. Did you see his YouTube video on Halloween? No. Yeah, you gotta check it out. He's so, also LDS, isn't he? Mark Rober. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. So you know how people will put out a bowl and say, just take one piece of candy? Yeah. So he set up all of these different things for people who take more than one piece of candy because it could (laughs) measure the weight. If it was too much taken at one time, then it was, yeah. And so some of them, he he set, one of them is set up like they take candy at this one house. It creates a video feed that then at the next house is a news story because his like (laughs) brother-in-law is a news anchor. And he's like, this just did. These people are stealing candy on Halloween. And, the, and then it That's shows a hilarious. video of the kids like stealing the candy. They created oh, wanted posters automatically. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I yeah. love that. That's funny. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. That's funny. Check that out. Okay. That's end of Twim Takes. Thank, thank you for entertaining me. So for Mormons Doing Goodly, I looked and looked for um, happy, uplifting stories. And I found this uh-huh. one. Okay. So Bryson Barnes is the University of Utah quarterback. Okay. 
And last weekend they played uh, Oregon University of Oregon, and so ESPN and College Game Day they're all there yeah. uh, talking about. The, and so they have this little video. I put a link to it on the okay. show notes. It's all about Bryson Barnes. He's from Milford, Utah. That's a little town. It is, and he's a pig farmer. And huh. so the video is all about how small town values in Utah and pig farming taught him all of these important things that have helped him to become a college football quarterback. In and they one. showed that on, on ESPN? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so I thought it was kind of fun. Did they also show, I'm sorry, and related but not Mormons doing goodly, did they also show on ESPN when um, when the University of Utah team was playing BYU and they um, – we're shouting F B Y U <laughs> F B Y U on national television. Uh, I'm sure not they so did. goodly, not so goodly. <laughs> but Bryson Barnes wasn't doing that. No, Bryson. it was just his student section. It was just his fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's not like an amazing, kind, wonderful thing, but I do think it's neat that we have members of the church that are happy to tell their story and yeah, yeah. live their religion every day. I like that. Yeah. Okay, Melissa, I picked some real winners for this week in Mormon history. I love history so much. Can't wait to hear what you got for me. Okay, so we're going to start with, this one's a little melancholy. 185 years ago this week. That's a long time ago. Was the church even alive then? It was. Okay. It was. (laughs) That was a weird way to put that, but you know what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. The church was alive and well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was the Hans Mill Massacre. Oh, yeah. I know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, for me, Halloween is always about the the Hans Mill Massacre and then the the expulsion of Mormons from the state of Missouri. That's hmm. when they march. So Hans Mill happens on October 30th. October hmm. 31st is when they do the expulsion and kick the saints out of the state of Missouri. Hmm. So for hmm. me, Halloween is always reminiscent of when that. When you remember time. that. Interesting. That's- I've never remembered that at Halloween before. Probably never will again. But I don't know, for Melissa. Sharing. Like thanks I don't know. Sharing. Like you're in your hallway with all of the horror yeah, things. I could have one some of the things could pioneers. be <laughs> running away. Come, you're right. Come, hide in this shed, and then <laughs> and then yeah. inside is nothing but horror inside of the shed. These are the things we do that get us called flippant. Flippant. Those two are so flippant. Sorry. How dare okay. they make fun of Hans Mill? We're okay. not making fun. We're just saying there's okay. different ways to commemorate a horrible. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Matt. Okay. Okay. So then the next one is like anytime there's something positive about Democrats, I'm going to bring it up. Okay. You go, Matt. 45 years ago this week, okay. which is not all that long ago. This is in 1978. I mean, were we alive and well then? Yes, yes. we were. <laughs> yes, we were. Democratic President Jimmy Carter signs the repeal of the provision of the 1862 moral anti-polygamy law, which prohibits the church from owning more than $50,000 worth of real estate in U.S. territory. Well, that's a lot of information. Okay, so in 1862, the U.S. is mad that we practice polygamy. And so they pass a law saying, first, that they can take away all of our property. Okay. But then second, that the church is not allowed to own more than $50,000 worth of real estate in any U.S. territory. Oh, because at well, the that time, would be hard Utah for us a, to build temples and churches. Yeah. And huh. at that time, Utah was a territory, right? Okay. So yeah. they're okay. passing this law saying the church can't own property. Okay. And, and it's 100 years later, 1978, before they finally repeal that law. 
that say the church actually can own more than $50,000 of real estate. Hmm. Because the church was growing in Samoa, and that was a U.S. territory. And so so they're like, listen, please change the law so that we can build churches and such and and the schools and stuff in Samoa. Okay. Um, Hail Jimmy Carter. Did it have to be the president that did that? Well, he signed it into law. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. It was co-sponsored by a Democrat and a Republican. Okay. 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 Last one. 40 years ago. So it's true. For much of our history, Americans have hated members of the church. But- 40 years ago this week, the Church News reported that 70% of Gallup survey respondents have a highly favorable view of the Latter-day Saints, and Hmm. only 10% have a highly unfavorable opinion. So... 40 years so, ago, that was close to our high mark. Of yeah, popularity. that's really, that's really, that's really favorable. A 70% highly favorable. Yeah, that's really good. Huh. It's what different is it today? today. Do you know? Yeah. Is that higher? No. Oh, okay. Uh, today, 15% have an unfavorable opinion. So huh. back then it was only 10% was unfavorable. Uh-huh. And now it's 15% unfavorable, but okay. also only 25%. No, sorry. I said it backwards today. Okay. 25% have an unfavorable opinion. Oh, okay. And only 15% have a favorable opinion. Oh. So, and then all the rest are like, I don't have an opinion at all. Huh. So we've gone from 70% highly favorable to- To 15. Fi- 15%. Yeah, that's favorable. not that good. That's not that good. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you think that we, how much of the percentage are you and I individually responsible for the negative opinion? Oh, I think that all of the positive opinion is us. The oh, you 15, do? The fifteen percent oh. that like us are listening to this week in Mormons. Okay, okay. And they're okay. like, "Oh, I love them." I, okay. <laughs> have you sure, heard of this? Have you heard this week in Mormons? Those people are great. <laughs> they and are so favorable. <laughs> and the rest are like, probably they changed the question wording. Maybe the question wording today is, "What do you think of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints?" And they're like, "Huh? I don't I'm know who like, that is. <laughs> it could be. It could have something to do with it." Well, thank you for my history lesson again, Maddie. That was great. Okay. This has been really fun, Melissa. So listener, remember you can subscribe to Patreon and get bonus content for just a few dollars a month. And you can subscribe to This Week in Mormons on social media. It's facebook.com slash This Week in Mormons or on Twitter, also known as X, X. at The Real Twim. Uh, you can listen to me and my other friends on our other podcast called The Latter-day Lens. Um, and if you have any feedback, we would love to hear from you. We're happy to read it. It can Matt be nice. Matt really does want to hear from you. It can be mean. <laughs> it can be we don't. It doesn't matter. You can email us contact at thisweekinmormons.com. And if you feel like like when I read your comment, it's not sufficient, you want to have it like be your voice, you can go to our website, thisweekinmormons.com. You can record a message, and then we can play that message, and people can hear the anger in your voice, not maybe- I didn't know that. Yeah, maybe when I read it, it's like not mean enough or something. Huh. I might try that this week. Yeah, that would be my own comment. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Hey, listener, thank you for listening to the original Mormon slash Latter-day Saint news podcast. We'll talk to you again next month. Hey, Melissa, next time we talk is going to be the year-end review, right? That'll be Yeah, the next- all of the hosts of TWIM are going to get together, and we're going to do a review of the biggest stories of the year. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, so join us then. Take care, everybody. 